This is B. This is Harper. And this is Mama Bear. And you're listening to The Estrogen, Estrogen Effect. Effect. Last time we talked about Miss Rosa Parks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty awesome lady. Um, this week I was going to do RBG. She was my one that I was going to do. But we had some recent events, I guess, happen. And, you know, I thought let's use this platform to talk about something that has affected a lot of people. And I feel like sometimes it gets swept under the rug. Mm-hmm. And um, just kind of is labeled as a part of growing up and everybody deals with it and you just got to suck it up and deal with it. And I'm, um, I grew up like that, but I guess as a mother and seeing my children go through it, let's just say that I'm sick of it and enough is enough and we're going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about today, girls? Bullying. Bullying. Yes. Yes. Fun. So, um, bullying, you know, I grabbed, of course, we have to have lots of statistics to kind of back it up. And I found all kinds of information. Um, but in 2014, so this is the first time they had like a federal definition of bullying. So literally what, like seven years ago, they have a definition and it includes three elements to this definition. It's unwanted, aggressive behavior. Mm-hmm observed or perceived power imbalance. Does that make sense? No. Um, It's kind of where people aren't equal, where there's kind of like this, somebody feels like it's not equal or somebody's creating a situation so it's not equal. Or repetition or high likelihood of repetition of bullying behaviors. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, and I want to make it very clear that I understand kids are learning kids are growing up. Sometimes they'll tease once in a while. That's just part of learning. That's, you know, everybody has to go through those motions, kind of have um, the emotions come back at them. But bullying is when that continues, when there's a pattern. You know, every kid has their moments where they're probably not so kind to each other, or they say something mean, or they do something mean. You know, we're still learning adults are the same way. But what makes that different from bullying is that somebody who's not bullying recognizes that maybe they did something wrong to hurt someone and either they, what, apologize, Mm -hmm. try to make things right, or they have like a guilt about it. Like they learn from that and try to do better, right? Yeah. That's part of growing up and learning. Adults could probably do that too. (laughs) But bullying is when it's a repetitive behavior. And I think sometimes, um, you know, people are like, oh, they're just teasing you. They're just teasing you. But when it's a constant pattern and when the person that's being teased obviously dislikes it, expresses their dislike, their body language, if that is not seen and recognized and the bullying doesn't stop, then that's where we have a problem. Everybody deserves a chance to do better, right? Mm -hmm. But once they have been told they need to do better or, you know, 
and then they choose not to, that's where we have issues. And that's kind of a recent issue that we've had um, personally and stuff. So I'm like, you know, we're going to talk about it because it happens all too often. I grew up being bullied. And I always say, um, people perceive me as a very strong personality, very strong person, but I feel like I'm only finally coming into my own at 42 because you have that residual effect of bullying growing up where you struggle. You know, you struggle with self-confidence, you um, feel less than, you always kind of question if you're good enough because you always kind of felt like that growing up because people made you feel like it. So, you know, it kind of stunts people's, I don't know what I want to say, like emotional growth. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? sense? Yeah. 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 So some of the statistics, and these are pretty interesting, um, and I read somewhere, oh gosh, where do I have it, that they actually only started, and now I probably won't be able to find it, um, keeping statistics, like, not very long ago. Oh gosh, of course I won't be able to find it. Like, things span of 10 years ago, or like five? Like, recent, recently. um, Oh gosh. I'll find it eventually, but it was like not very long ago when they actually started keeping record statistics and stuff. So the, you know, these are pretty new statistics. So, um, there's a website I found it's called the national bullying prevention center. And the lovely thing is, is they took all these different studies and all these different statistics and they kind of consolidated it all together. So they kind of did my work for me. So that's kind of nice. So I'm going to use their website and their statistics that they pulled from lots of other different um, places. So one out of every five students reports being bullied. So that's a big number, right? Mm-hmm. So if you yeah. think about it, you got, what, 20 kids in your class. And, like, that's four kids. Per that's four kids per class. That's too many. Yeah. When they feel like they're being bullied, right? And... There's a difference, too, they say. There's a difference between female and male, kind of the bullying that they are exposed to. They actually found that there's a higher percentage of males who are being physically bullied. They typically, so 6% of male um, students are physically bullied versus 4% of girls. But... Girls tend to be more subjected to rumors and being excluded from activities. Oh, I remember that. Yes. So not the physical aspect, but the other, you know, and sometimes I I feel like that other emotional, Mm. you know, attack that's a little bit harder to get over. I mean, I could be wrong. I had a lot of that exclusion, rumors. Um, Girls are really good at passive aggressiveness, you know, sneaking around, whispers, you know, so you start to question a lot of things. And I mean, a lot of, you can, a lot of physical wounds can heal, but like emotional wounds, mental Mm -hmm. wounds, those are Mm -hmm. a lot harder to heal. Yeah. So 41% of the students who said they feel they are bullied, they said that they think it'll happen again. So you almost kind of have this trauma response where you always are on like high alert because if it happens once and it affects you enough, you're always worried that it's going to happen again. So 
that's horrible that you're supposed to be having fun with your friends, but you're always in the back of your mind worrying that this is going to happen again. Even if you have a span of like, say a month or a year where everything's good, nobody's bullying you. You always are going to think, when is that going to, when's the ball going to drop? When's it going to happen again? Oh yeah. I kind of went through that Mm -hmm. a while ago. So, you know, and when people talk about like, oh, it's just teasing and stuff. Well, the thing is bullying comes in many different forms. So the kids that reported being bullied, 13% were made fun of. They were called names or insulted. And those hurt. Words hurt, right? Words hurt. 13% were subjects of rumors. Rumors are not so kind. They're not fun at all, especially when they're negative and people believe it or when they're, you know, when they're not true, most times what rumors are not true, but then people believe it. And then that changes their perception of you and they don't see you for the true you. They're listening to the rumors, right? Um, and then 5% were pushed, shoved, tripped, or spit on. Yeah. I, I'm just going to say this right now. This is a clean podcast, but if anybody ever spit on my children, I would unleash <laughs> ungodly, unholy terror upon them. Just, <laughs> just so you know, <clears throat> unless my children spit on them first, then I'm sorry. If you spit on somebody, they can spit right back. Okay. I, I've never spit. On All right. I, I would hope not. Cause what would happen if I found you found out you guys were doing this? You'd uh, hit our butts. <laughs> I'm going to hit your butts. <laughs> oh, burning. And then 5% were excluded from activities on purpose. So there's a difference between being excluded on accident, right? Mm -hmm. But then when people purposely exclude you from things, you know, that hurts. That's that's really painful. Um, And then, so they actually said, you know, I mean, you guys have gone through it. I know we've dealt with this and stuff. So what are some, what would you say the most, um, prevalent types of bullying did have you guys been seeing? What's prevalent mean? Like most common. Um, being called names, rumors, people obviously are whispering about me because they're like staring at me and like, like Mm -hmm. obviously talking about me. I've never had physical bullying, but it's usually the name calling and the rumors. Mm-hmm. And that hurts, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've had mostly passive aggressiveness. Um, when I was younger, like fifth or fifth, fourth grade, um, a lot of the quote unquote popular girls, um, they said just blunt, very rude things to me that weren't even passive aggressive. They were just aggressive. Um, this year, since I've started dating my girlfriend, I've gotten lots of looks. People have come up to her. Um, people have kind of been whispering about me and I've been getting a lot more looks and it's just, it's not like that kind of look when you walk past someone in the hall and you're just like, you accidentally lock eyes. It's like this intense gaze where I can just tell that they're thinking something bad about Mm -hmm. me. And it's pretty mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they, what whether they understand it or not, you know, and I always say, 
if you don't understand something, if you're curious, why don't they just go up and ask? Mm-hmm. Say, hey, what's it like? You know, like that's awesome that you're able to, you know, be open about, you know, having a girlfriend and being comfortable with yourself and things. But if it's uncomfortable, and I think a lot of it is kind of, you know, their home environment and what they're taught. And, you know, that's, we're pretty open here in this household. And, you know, not every household is the same. And it's kind of trickled down from generation to generation as well. So, Oh, that reminds me. Um, there's this thing that happened to both me and Harper where a guy in my grade and a bunch of other kids in our school um, were attacking me and Harper for being queer. And um, when we brought it all to the school, they were pretty furious. Mm-hmm. And I like that they tried to do something, but it didn't really stop anything from happening. I do appreciate the teachers because while the school's the school's um, board didn't really do all that much, the teachers were probably more furious than the entire school system combined. Mm-hmm. Like one teacher yelled at an entire class for me, and I just <clears throat> that kind of warmed my heart knowing a teacher cared about me like that. Well, and I think and that's and that's hard. You know, I think that's just kind of school systems all around because. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of school systems' hands are tied because they have to follow certain rules and yeah. regulations, and you've got, um, you know, families to deal with, if, mm. you know, complaining. And I always say, you know, I'm just a parent, so I don't have to play by the rules. I don't have to play nice, and I don't plan on playing nice. So, you know, that is kind of the nice thing is, like, I mean, I get it, your hands are tied, but I can come in and take care of business if I need to, because I'm not constrained to those, Mm. those laws and rules and stuff. I mean, obviously I'm not going to go beat somebody up, (laughs) but I don't have to worry. I I mean, I'd really, this is, yeah, Slayer got bullied by a second grader. You should go bully him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go like beat up somebody, but you know, it's when you're a parent, you have to try to look at all angles but of course, when your child comes home upset, your first instinct is, who do I need to yell at? Mm-hmm. Who's going to get the wrath? Mm-hmm. But then you got to step back and say, okay, because this is not going to fix the problem because what's it going to do? Probably make it worse. Yeah. And, you know, you try to think, is there something going on where that child is projecting? But... I also feel like, I think a lot of the times, you know, they say, well, they probably got something going on in their life and that's all fine and dandy. But as a parent, I feel that it's not my child's job to be their verbal punching bag. You've got some issues to deal with. It's not my child's job to help you, you know, exert that, those frustrations out. So, but that does make me sad because I feel like we've been huge, huge advocates in this house for mental health awareness and making sure we've got therapy, you know, all of us are on medications, Mm -hmm. you know, we're really big on to finding healthy outlets for, um, your mental health struggles and everything. And, you know, I feel like not everybody knows what resources are there. They don't have somebody to advocate for them, 
which makes me very sad, but my number one priority is my children and my children's mental health. So I'm going to step in and say, no, I mean, I don't care what you're going through. You're not going to attack my child like that Mm -hmm. because it's not their problem. It's yours. And I will advocate till my dying day to make sure that that doesn't continue to affect my children and stuff. You're scary so. when you're mad. I'm scary. I'm scary when I'm mad. Yeah. I've been it's even that. scarier. Like when you're not like physically showing on your face when you're mad, but it's like you look all calm inside <laughs> and then you're saying something really aggressive in like a monotone voice <laughs> or even when you're smiling or laughing, it's horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're not even mad at us. You're just mad at someone else. And I'm scared what you're going to do. Yeah, it's you got to calm the rage. You got to calm the rage. But you know that's just part of being a parent. You get you want you fiercely want to protect your children. So (laughs) animal instinct. Yes. Um, So like you were saying in the hallway when kids are looking at you. So they actually said they reported um, the bullying occurred in mostly in the hallway or in the stairwell at school. Oh, yeah. So, like, 43%. So, that's almost half. Inside the classroom, 42%. Oh, these don't all add up. That's not right. Well, anyways. So, they said in the hallway or stairwell at school, inside the classroom, and just from personal experience, from talking to other people and talking to my kids, it seems like a lot of the time this bully behavior happens. You would think in the classroom, well, what the heck? there should be an adult in the classroom. But what's happening is it's happening when the adult or teacher happens to step out into the hallway. So I think that's what disturbs me more than anything is that these children that are bullying recognize the moments when those other children are more vulnerable and uses that to their advantage. Mm -hmm. And that to me just seems that just makes me sick to think that they understand how to work that system so they can continue that bully behavior. Mm -hmm. So that's very frustrating because then what happens is it puts the person being bullied word against the bully's word. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And then what happens is then the person being bullied doesn't have anything physical physical evidence to back up their claim. So what happens? They stop reporting it. They stop saying anything. Mm-hmm. Right? Because what happens is adults say, well, I didn't see anything. They, they're they a nice kid. They seem fine in class all the time. Yeah, that's the thing. So many of the people, so many of the classmates that, that, that have constantly put me down are some of the school's favorites because they're active in sports and they get good grades. They're like, they're the perfect role model for what a school wants and they wouldn't believe someone who's, I guess, quote unquote, lesser than those other students. I wouldn't say lesser. I would say you're outside the box. Yeah. Which I prefer my children outside the box instead of inside Mm. because... Why not? And we need more people outside the box. A majority of the time I have been bullied or passive-aggressive comments, it's usually sexism or homophobia. Because mm-hmm. I'm in welding class. I'm the only girl there. And 
My friend told me she overheard two guys talking together. There's a one, one guy in my welding class, and he says that since I'm the only girl there, I'm going to get burnt, and I'm going to start crying because girls mm-hmm. are fragile and all that. <laughs> yeah. And another time, and most of the time, um, the boys in my classes, if I say, if whenever I say anything and it's right, they'll say, no, that's not right. And they'll say the same answer in other way. Mm -hmm. And whenever I say something, they just stare at me like I'm the stupidest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. I'm planning your death right now. (laughs) Okay, Harper. But that's the thing, like you said, outside the class, so inside the classroom, in the cafeteria, on the school grounds. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, and I'm looking at this and I'm like, you know, when I grew up, when I went home, the bullying stopped because I went home. But nowadays you've got phones and Mm -hmm. social media. So, you know, you guys are growing up in an age where you can't, I mean, you can, you can put your phone away and get off social media. Yeah. So, I mean, you really can't get away from it. But that's the problem, though, is that now every kid uses that to socialize. So if you do not have a phone or do not have social media, sometimes you can be excluded from things because everybody else is communicating, and that leaves you out. So it's like a delicate balance of trying to avoid bringing that bully behavior home with you, but also making sure that you're socializing with your friends as well. So it's just, it's fine. It's a delicate balance trying to figure out, you know, what's healthy, what's not, and you know, where you draw the boundaries and stuff like that. So, um, so, you know, when you say reporting it, the statistics said 46% of bullied students report notifying an adult at school about it. So that's really not a lot. And then I think, is it, does, do kids start reporting every, all of them? And then as it continues, do they keep reporting less and less because things aren't getting better? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the adult talks to the, the bully, but then what happens is like we were talking about, they do it when the adult isn't looking. Mm-hmm. So they did also find some statistics that school-based bullying prevention programs decrease bullying by 25%. And I'm like, that's, that's not really a lot. That, if you think about it, that's not a lot at all. Mm-hmm. Like I would say if it was 60%, I'd say, heck yeah, that's awesome. But 25% is not enough. In my mind, it isn't. So, um, and then the reason, the most often reasons, the reasons that um, kids reported being bullied for the most were physical appearance, race and ethnicity, gender, disability, religion, and sexual orientation. Oh, so those Jesus. are the main those are the main things that kids report being um, bullied about and everything. So, oh, here's that statistic. <clears throat> so the federal government began collecting data on school bullying in 2005. So I guess it was. A little, but not very long ago. (laughs) Not long ago at all. Yeah. Um, And at that time, the prevalence of bullying was around 28%, it says. So, So, yeah. Um, And then also they said one in five tweens. So that's kids 9 to 12 is what they're saying are tweens. Mm -hmm. They've been cyberbullied. So that's another thing it carries home with them. And then... um, 
49.8% of tweens said they experienced bullying at school and 14% said they experienced bullying online. Um, so, you know, bullying's present. I mean, it's prevalent. It's, it's there. Um, you know, and I think we think, oh, that's just part of growing up. You just got to suck it up and get over it. Or, you know, oh, that child's just being sensitive. Okay, and but that's bull crap. That is, it is bull crap. And I think, I don't think people recognize what happens, the after effects of it. <clears throat> you know, you have the kids that obviously struggle, but then there's a lot of kids, I think, that just get so, you know, they're not getting the help they need, and they just finally start to, carp- to um, compartmentalize it, meaning they just kind of shut down, and they just carry on, and they just, um, you know, they, what am I trying to say? Try. I don't know. They just completely shut down. They, can, they just, shut down emotionally because just you just let it happen. You go numb because nothing is helping and nobody's helping you. So you just kind of have to go numb and plug away. But the thing is, is that, um, you know, there's an increased risk of depression, anxiety, sleep difficulties, um, oh, poor man. academic, uh, <clears throat> academic scores and dropping out of school in extreme cases. I remember a majority of that, except like everything except for the last one. That's basically how it was for me, seventh through eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Bullying is a, I'm not, I'm not going to talk anymore. Well, and they also said that kids that are targets of bullying and those who actually engage in bullying behavior, so the bullier, bullier, the bully themselves, the bully, yeah, or the children. they're they're at a greater risk. So somebody who is a target of bullying and also bullies. So they're saying sometimes kids that are being bullied will tend to bully others. They're at an increased risk of um, mental health and behavior problems more than a child who's just being bullied or a child who's just being the bully. Wow. Which... That's interesting. It is. Um, And then a lot of kids, so some of the big things that they say that uh, bullying has a negative impact on is how they feel about themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, self-esteem, self-confidence, their relationships with friends and family, their schoolwork, and their physical health. Honestly, you're just listing off my life right now. (laughs) But I'm so much more confident now because I got help. Mm-hmm. And I'm very lucky I did because a majority of kids don't. Exactly. And that, and they carry that for like the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. They I'm do. I'm lucky enough to have gotten help when I did. Well, and so, you know, it says, like I said, physical health. So a lot of negative health effects, kids, they'll have like more headaches, stomach aches. You know, they're like, oh, I don't feel good today because they don't want to go to school and don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And also, um, they tend to self-blame. Or they they get to the point where they almost feel like they deserve to be bullied. And then um, they're more likely, like I said, to have depression and maladjustment, which means they have a hard time adjusting to different situations and stuff. So, I mean, it carries on for years and years and years. And I wish, I'll have to try to find some statistics on adults and kind of how they feel like bullying as a child affected them as they turn into an adult and, mm-hmm. 
even as a parent too. I think sometimes if you were bullied as a child and then you become a parent, I think that kind of carries over into your parenting style and maybe how you react to if your child's being bullied and stuff. So do we not all parents might react the same way as you did? Like if they were bullied as a kid and then their kid was being bullied, they may have a different reaction than you have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some, and I know some people are like, oh, I was bullied and it wasn't that bad, you know, and that's great. Maybe it didn't impact you. Or maybe you did kind of shut down and become numb to it and didn't realize the impact that it had on you, you know, who knows and stuff. So, um, cyberbullying, like we said, is a lot of, a lot of kids said, that um, cyberbullying, they were getting like mean, hurtful comments, rumored spread online were like the biggest things. So I think sometimes with that is people feel a little braver behind a keyboard and on social media. So it can get pretty ugly on there too. And that's hard because that comes home to you and it's right there in your face. Especially if it's happening while you're at home. Mm -hmm. I remember being called a slur several times online Mm -hmm. and I shut down for about half a year after that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in cyberbullying, like remember what we said that there's a difference between like boys are typically physically bullied more than girls. Mm -hmm. So cyberbullying girls were more likely to be bullied by spreading rumors online. Whereas boys were more likely to be bullied by somebody threatening to hurt or kill them. Threatened to hurt them online. Death threats. Okay, let's try that again. This is a friendly channel. No, it's not. Yes, it is. You can just like, you know. Um, And then it also says that those who are cyberbullied are also most likely to be bullied offline. So, you know, they're being bullied in person. And then, so no matter where they are in person or at home, you know, they're being bullied in both aspects and stuff. So, so what do you think of all that statistics? Crazy. It's, it, uh, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I can't stop looking at that. Uh, the Elmo doll? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so, you know, we were kind of talking all the different things that kids are bullied on and everything. And, you know, bullying of students with disabilities, that, mm, I don't know, that makes me sick when that happens. Um, You know, it says students with specific learning disabilities, um, emotional and behavior disorders, or health impairments, speech or language impairments, they had greater um, incidences of bullying. I have a friend, um, you probably know who I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. They're autistic and... I think it's even sadder the fact that when they're bullied, they don't exactly realize it. They don't recognize that. They don't recognize it, Mm -hmm. and so they're still kind to that person, which just makes the bully um, be rude even more, even more frequently, and it's it just it. I don't like it. So they're unknowingly enabling that behavior because they don't. 
they don't recognize that it's bullying, so they don't know to speak up for themselves or to talk to an adult about it and mm-hmm. stuff. And I think that's a lot of times, you know, bullies see a vulnerable person, they're like, oh, I can get away with it because they don't really recognize it as that. So they're just an easy target and stuff. So that's pretty sad. <clears throat> um, and then also... Gonna say, oh, it's so when reporting bullying. So I saw the statistic and I'm like, hmm, this bothers me. So, youth in special education, so kids in special education, when they were reporting bullying, they found that they were told not to tattle almost twice as often as kids who are not in special education. What? Mm hmm. So, that doesn't make any sense. You know, there's these behaviors of saying, oh, don't be a tattletale, you know, don't be so sensitive. And it's like, okay, well, the thing is, is not everybody can just brush things off easily. You've got a lot of kids that have, you know, empathic minds. They got big hearts because they would never treat another person like that. So then when somebody treats them that way, it hits them harder. And to say don't be a tattletale, you know, they're not, they're not teasing. They're just teasing you. Or I, if someone ever says to my child, this statement, I will probably scream is, Oh, they're just doing it because they like you. Oh no. Someone already said that to me. That all that says to that child is that relationships are built on being belittled and treated poorly. And that creates this toxic mindset that if you happen to get into an abusive or, you know, whatever relationship, that it almost makes you think, oh, it's okay because they treat me like this because they love me. And the thing you said about empathic minds, you say me and Harper are extremely empathic like you. And I don't know if I can speak for Harper, but I used to cry over everything when I was younger. But now, um, like this year and the past year, I haven't been able to cry all that much unless I make myself. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I have all these feelings and I literally cannot cry unless I make myself. Mm-hmm. Because I've gotten so numb from all the bullying and belittling and... I forgot what I was going to say. Well, and I think as an, you know, and I think this last two years I've noticed is everybody's struggling. Everybody's, and I get it. And I think if you're an empath, you kind of soak up everybody else's struggles and you almost kind of have to shut down to preserve your mental health. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think it is healthy to kind of shut down. And I've struggled myself with, um, you know, there's been some times where I've heard some horrible, horrible news and I'm normally a crier and I just, I don't because I think I'm just, I, I, it's a, a defense mechanism to shut Mm -hmm. down because it's like, I don't know if my, my heart or my mind can handle any more bad news because like I'm already emotionally tapped out. Like when Aaliyah and Daniela, Danielle died, I felt terrible and I couldn't even shed one tear. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And I just kept thinking, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And that's more of that self-shaming mm-hmm. you were talking about. And, like, bullying affects you in so many different ways. And it can really affect you later in life. Like how you and I, we can't cry. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's bad. Or it's, you know, you, you have to, you got to pro you got to process it. You got to mm-hmm. let yourself feel it little by little to the point when you finally can let out that emotion, because if you let it all in all at once, it would overwhelm you mm-hmm. because you are such an empath and you already, you know, if you're already having any kind of emotional struggles or mental struggles, it doesn't take much to kind of tip you over that edge. So you're trying to like I said, just kind of self-preserve and kind of be mindful of, you know, where am I at emotionally and mentally? I need to take care of myself first, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff. So I remember that very well. I think it was one of Holden's birthdays and I hadn't cried the entire day, but then I had um, homework due and I just couldn't figure it out. And I started crying over losing my pen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was the breaking point for me, losing a pen. Yep. Yep. <sighs> and you know, they, all they say is stop tattling, but stopping cry, baby. You're yeah. too sensitive. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with being too sensitive. I just think if we had just a pile of impasse running this world, can you imagine how amazing it would be? It would be an amazing world. It would be an amazing world. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so I also want to mention, you know, there's, we talk about bullying of just um, any student and then, you know, children with disabilities and then mm-hmm. students of color, uh, 23% of African-American students, 23% of Caucasian students, 16% of Hispanic students, and 7% of Asian students reported being bullied at school. And then, um, so more than a third of the adolescents who reported the bullying, it was based on you color. Know, their color. Mm-hmm. Um, and then race-related bullying obviously is associated with emotional and physical health effects. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's when you attack any, if you just attack in a person, it's different if you attack a person because like, say you're a jerk mm-hmm. and you're being a jerk. And I say, Hey, you're being a jerk. You know, you have control over whether or not you're a jerk. Mm-hmm. You don't have control over the color of your skin or if you have a disability or, you know, if you have a mental health issue. Mm-hmm. So attacking somebody for something that they have no control over, that makes me so physically ill to think about. And I don't even know exactly what to say about it because it confuses me and it angers me so much that you would physically and emotionally harm someone. And even outside school and in schools, there have been many cases where students have been killed because of the color of their skin. And that is just so... Can I please swear? Sure, I'll beep it out. Bleep it out. It's it's so f- stupid, and it's it's idiotic, and it's immoral, and those people deserve to be locked away forever for killing somebody over something so simple as the color of someone's skin. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's disgusting that you know you would think as a civilized society. That we would be, that we would be past this barbaric way of thinking, but Mm -hmm. unfortunately 
it's not, and it makes me sick, absolutely sick. <clears throat> so, and then on top of, you know, disabilities, the color of your skin, then we've got the LGBTQ community. And 70% of LGBTQ students said they were verbally bullied, which means they were called names, threatened, called slurs. That's the majority of what mm -hmm. Harper and I have gone through. Um, and then 59% said it was because of their gender expression, and 53% said it was based on their gender. Hey! That's me. 28% uh, of the LGBT, LGBTQ students said they were physically bullied oh, no. in the past year, and this would have been in 2017 or 2018. So I, these are not the most updated statistics, but, um, and then 48% of LGBTQ said they experienced cyberbullying. Yeah, that's, and the thing is, I have some friends who are bisexual, um, and they've never really had any bullying for it because it's just being bisexual. Hey, it's not that big of a deal because, you know, but with me, I've like, our household is so open to different things and I started exploring all of it and I learned so many things about myself and I identify as so much and I'm proud of who I am. And I like that I'm finally able to figure out who I am because I've been like kind of beating myself down about it for a long time. I have a girlfriend who I love very much and it's, it's stupid that some students aren't able to express themselves. Even my girlfriend loves holding hands and so do I. Every time we get dirty looks and I can't even say that I'm mad. I just feel ashamed mm -hmm. of myself. And you shouldn't be. <clears throat> and I think a lot of it comes from their own insecurities and, you know, they just, they probably don't have those conversations mm -hmm. to understand it and everything. So, and 59, so it says 59% of uh, LGBTQ students feel unsafe at school because of their sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. um, and they, a lot of them reported that they want to drop out of school because of the harassment and stuff that they face at school. I remember asking you to just let me do virtual school yeah. for the rest of my mm -hmm. school years. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sad. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think, Harper? I put my glasses all over my um, hair. <laughs> oh, Harper. You know, there's we talked about all the, the other effects of bullying and everything, but there's a pretty big, big side effect. I, w I don't want to say a side effect, but a um, we talk about bullying and suicide. There's a really strong association between bullying and suicide-related behaviors. I will say that growing up that I had um, suicide thoughts more times than I would like to admit because of this kind of stuff. Um, you know, and they, a lot of kids say that frequent bullying or children that, um, report frequent bullying and students who report being frequently bullied. Well, that doesn't make sense. Anyways, <clears throat> it found that students that are um, being bullied were 2.2 times more likely to have suicide ideations 
and 2.6 times more um, likely to attempt it. Yeah, that when um, I can't remember if it was Holden or Ricky, but after one of them died, a um, couple months later, I had a suicide attempt. Luckily, I didn't go through with it. But then afterwards, there was strangely a lot more bullying after that. I don't know what started it, but I started having suicidal thoughts pretty much every single day after that. And I had intrusive thoughts when, whenever I was just eating a snack or doing homework or in a classroom. I'd have thoughts of different ways I'd kill myself, and I only stopped having those. I only stopped having suicidal thoughts um, pretty recently, like two years ago, because I got help. But so many students who are getting bullied can't get the help that I got, and a lot of them would likely go through with it, mm -hmm. and they would succeed, and that is awful. And I think there's a lot of factors into that. Either <clears throat> they don't feel safe to talk to an adult at school or they do not have an adult in their life that they feel comfortable talking to. Maybe they don't have a very stable home to go to mm -hmm. um, that would not, you know, and maybe they're being bullied for something that they don't want their family to know about. Maybe if it is somebody who... Um, who's closeted. Who's closeted, yeah, exactly. So they don't want to talk to their family about it because then they would have to come out to them and maybe that's not a safe space for them to mm -hmm. express that to. And things like that. So the biggest thing is, you know, with bullying is recognizing it, A, um, validating you know, the person who's being bullied, validating their feelings, not belittling them and saying, oh, stop being sensitive, stop oh, tattling. definitely. And then also interventions because, you know, obviously if there's no interventions or anything, um, it's just going to continue. <clears throat> so bullied youth, they sa it says, who were, were most likely to report bullying if they knew there was support from others that would help make a difference. If they knew that there was a support system in place that would help them um, better. And then it says that actions aimed at changing the behavior of the bullying youth. So fighting, getting back at them, telling them to stop were rated as more likely to make things worse. So that means that if somebody is bullying you and you tell them to stop, according to this and experience, it makes it worse. Mm -hmm. Because all it's doing is just poking back at them. And Showing not, them that, you're, that they're affecting you. Yes. And then also you don't know what that bullying behavior is stemming from. And if that's not being fixed, then it's going to continue. Mm -hmm. Um. So, it's, and students actually reported the most helpful things that teachers can do is listen to them. So basically validating mm -hmm. what they're going through, check in on them afterwards to see if the bullying stopped, and then give them advice. The most harmful things that students can tell or that teachers can do were tell the student to solve the problem themselves, 
tell the student that the bullying wouldn't happen if they acted differently, ignoring what was going on or telling the student to stop tattling. And I think we have this mentality that tattling is such a negative thing. It's standing up for yourself. It's standing up for you. It's, it's, it's making tattling. We need to change tattling to, um, trying to hold people accountable to their negative behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I think I remember growing up and them saying, Oh, stop tattling. You know, you're just, you're being too sensitive and stuff. And <clears throat> I just, I just think that's just so toxic because you're, you know, you're, you're almost belittling the child again for, mm-hmm being affected by the bully behavior. It's like you're bullying them all over again, but from a different angle. Who wouldn't be affected by that? Exactly. Um, So it says also students who have been bullied, the self-actions that had the most negative impacts were um, telling the person to stop or how I feel, walking away, pretend it doesn't bother me, are often used by youth and often recommend. recommended to youth. So those are kind of the self-behavior things that you can do, but it's probably just going to make them... It's hard because I think sometimes you can tell them to stop, but like you said, it's going to show that they're getting to you, so they're going to keep poking. What I do, um, and you taught me this, is kind of baby the bully a bit. Like, um, oh, I can really see that the way I act or the way I look or this thing about me really affects you. And I'm so sorry. Just mm-hmm. kind of like pretend to sympathize with them and they'll and be vulnerable with them and they'll get uncomfortable. And I've done that. And it works like really right. Because they get so uncomfortable. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I'm not the greatest. <laughs> Um, and then they also, so it also in this report, tweens reported the different strategies they used to stop the bullying included blocking the person who's bullying them, but you can't if you're in the same class. I mean, you can't just block somebody out of your life if you go to school with them. Mm-hmm. And thanks, telling a parent, ignoring the person, reporting it, um, or taking a break from any device if you're having cyberbullying mm-hmm. and stuff. But the thing is, is that doesn't stop it. It just kind of puts a little pause on it. Delays it a bit. Yes. Um, So then also there's an issue, another thing that we need to talk about is the bystander, the bystander effect. Oh, I've learned about this. Um, So, you know, it says here that students don't have to actually be the target of bullying to have negative outcomes because bystanders that actually see the bullying and stuff, they can be impacted by it as well. Like feeling guilty, like, oh, I wish I would have done something or I'm worried I'm going to do something because then I'm going to become the target of bullying Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. If 
so they also found that if a student believed that they can make a difference, there's a chance they'd be more likely to act. But that also comes from education and having support systems in place so the students know if they do stand up that they're not going to be reprimanded for it and that they will be supported in their decision to stand up to bullying. That's the weird thing because the way you've taught me If I saw someone getting bullied, I would run to their side to help, no matter whether I got bullied for it or not. Mm -hmm. I would just, I would just help whoever I thought was right, Mm -hmm. who I thought deserved it. Well, and this says students who experience bullying are more likely to find the peer, their peers' action more helpful than the educator or their own self-actions. Mm-hmm. So if you have a friend stand up for you, that's going to impact you more positively than if a teacher or if you try to do something yourself to help stop it. Because that gives you the thought of, I'm not alone. I have somebody here to support me. And that's what I wish I had in middle school. Because when I was being bullied for my sexuality, my gender identity, a majority of my friends just stood by and let it happen. And they would sometimes make little comments about it, too. And they Mm -hmm. would kind of like small little comments that just made my mental illness like delve even worse. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, and it did, and it also says that students that observe bullying, they tend to feel more helpless, or they feel a sense less of a sense of connected connectedness ooh, and support from responsible adults. So they just kind of have this overwhelming feeling of helplessness, or I don't know what to do, or I don't feel like I have somebody that can back me up if I do decide to stand up and. Um, do stuff. But then they also figured out, you know, kids that are being bullied, they said when a bystander does these things, it actually helps them more than anything. You don't have to like stand up to the bully, but they said just spending time with them, having somebody spend time with them, talk to them, help them get away. If they called me, gave me advice, helped to go tell an adult if they just kind of were there for moral support, if they kind of distracted them, like maybe said a funny joke or something just to get their mind off of it for a bit, listen to them, or if they went and told the adult for them, or um, if they confronted the bully or asked them to stop. So the confronting the bully and asking them to stop was the lowest one on the list. All those other ones were the things that they said helped more than somebody actually physically stepping in. So I think sometimes people feel like they have to physically step in and stop it, but there's other things you can do to help support somebody who's being bullied. I didn't have any peers like that. But I did have you, Dad, and Gigi. Mm-hmm. You guys helped me, like, a lot. I think it was you guys who kind of, like, like you guys were the ones who helped me most to pull me out of my depression. Because mm-hmm. you guys, you just kept giving me advice. You just kept, um, you reminded me to take my meds. You made me take showers. You made me keep my hygiene up. You made me eat. That kind of stuff. And that really helps, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah having somebody there just to kind of keep help you through 
<clears throat> you know, that, like they said, that's more help than actually physically going in there and taking care of it. And before anyone thinks, oh, that's gross that you didn't, like, take care of yourself, when you're in a deep depression, you just don't care anymore, mm-hmm. like, to take care of yourself. And that's, like, a huge part of depression. You don't have the energy to get up, wash your hair, um, wash yourself, comb your hair, brush your teeth, eat. You just, you wouldn't care if you just one day fell asleep and didn't wake up. And you just, you don't care what happens to you. And that's, that happens to a lot of kids who are bullied. And, yeah. hmm Yeah. People forget that that really can impact you to that point where you really struggle to care for yourself. Mm-hmm. So we're probably going to have to do two parts, but I will release it. Well, obviously, I'm going to release them together. So. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, we'll we'll do two parts because this has gotten kind of long. We will. Um, ooh, ooh, ooh. Can I do the parting words? Yeah, just a minute. What? And then we will. Uh, Oh. Uh, publish them both at the same time, though, so we won't like separate them out. I'll just get both two parts. That way, we don't people don't have to listen to like a two hour long episode. They can listen to the first half, and then, then listen to the, the second half, half afterwards oh, whenever they're ready and stuff like that. So I'm gonna smack yeah. your butt. Um, no. On that note, uh, what's your parting words? Well, do I need to say so? If you want to email us, email us at theestrogeneffect at gmail.com. That's Email us at estrogeneffect.com. And then we have a Facebook page, an Instagram page, and Twitter, Estrogen Effect. Soon to be coming um, a TikTok page. Uh, no. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're just going to be doing TikTok dances no. to like historic, like, I don't know, sounds. Like, we'll dress up as um, Susan B. Anthony mm-hmm. and dance Get to <laughs> some genuine, you guys don't Dancing. even know who that is. Oh. Um, oh. So, what's your parting words? Okay, folks. Bye. Don't be sexist. Oh. Don't be homophobic. Don't be racist. Don't be a poop bag. <gasps> Don't say that. Don't be a jerk. Don't Eat be. your food. Drink your water. Eat the... F- eat... No. What? Go to sleep. <laughs> Take care of yourself. Make the happy vitamin. And, and don't skip and, your meds. Ow. And overall... Be a good person who yeah. does good things and don't be a jerk to people. Yeah. Thanks. You're welcome. I am such an amazing person. Yeah, you just... This sermon is brought to you by B. Wamsley. Hi. Um, I just demolished all hatred in this world. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, at no. the, on that note, you what? You don't get a turn. Okay, hold on. On that note, uh, we're going to go. Yeah, so, no, bye. Goodbye. No,